All right. Well, let's prepare. Why don't we rise for the reading of the word? And if you have your Bibles or your phones or iPads, you can open it up to Joshua chapter 24, starting on verse 14. We're going to read Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, and then 23 and 24 first. You there? You ready? It's up there for those that didn't bring one. Verse 14, it says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Everybody say serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's do, let's say that last phrase all together. Ready? Go. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's skip to verse 23. It says, now then. Everybody say, now then. Said Joshua, throw Away, everybody say, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Lastly, Matthew 6.33, which is the verse for our series, is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let us pray. God, teach us today how to be kingdom first. As singles, as families, God, we want to be a kingdom first Christians who builds a kingdom first family. Show us if there's anything in our hearts that's keeping us from pursuing kingdom first in our lives, Lord? Is it our own convenience? Is it our desire for success? God, whatever it is that's keeping us from pursuing kingdom first, show us and help us to throw them away. Help us, God, to honor you by being kingdom first family here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. So as you all know, I'm, I am a Korean American, right? So I was born in Korea, moved to the United States of America when I was 10 years old. But I grew up under a big brother who was a Korean nationalist. Okay. We had Korean flag everywhere, right, even though we lived in America. We went to Korean church, prayed and worshiped God in Korean language. And as I grew up, you know, I inherited that heart from my brother. And everybody, even my husband, when he was my friend at Bible college, knew, including my professors, that Sunny Sun, when she graduates, she's going to move back to Korea. Live for the people of Korea. Raise up orphans in Korea.
Korea, right? And so my final year at Fuller Seminary, somehow, some way, it's a long story, Benjamin and I, an African-American man who's five and a half years younger than me, started to date. I was miserable. I made Benjamin's life miserable. I repent, mommy and daddy. I broke up with him every week, every month. Benjamin, I don't know who he, who he gets it from. He was so romantic. He wants to be so romantic, you know. It's like one year anniversary, Sonny. We got to celebrate. And then that triggered me. Um, what, well, one year anniversary? I have to celebrate? What, with this black man? It's over. And I would just walk out of the restaurant. And he's please give me another chance. Two weeks later, we got to celebrate our two weeks anniversary. What? It's over, right? And I was taking, at that time, Culture and Church at Fuller Seminary by Dr. Lingenfelter, Sherwood Lingenfelter. And he talked about culture. How culture is a beautiful thing, but we could become a prisoner to our culture. And God really challenged me in that class. And what God showed me was that only reason why I needed and wanted to break up with Benjamin, why even though I liked him, did not want to marry him, why I made his life miserable is because of my Korean culture. Because my Korean culture says, you can't marry anybody younger than you. Come on, the man has to be the head. He has to be wiser, older, with more money. I know, I know, Korean culture, doctor. You can't marry a black man. White man is not good, but it's better than black man. Can I just be real in Korean? Because there's some Korean parents, right, right? No, seriously. It's if you bring a white man, it's a little bit easier. But black man, I'm just being real. And God, you know what God says, Sonny, you are living your life as a Korean Christian. But I want you to live your life as a kingdom Christian. And I had to choose my culture or kingdom culture. In this series, we're talking about kingdom first. Kingdom first. See first the kingdom of God. And today, we're actually going to talk about kingdom first families. But in all these series, you know what God is trying to do to every one of us? He's trying to confront us just like he did to me. He's trying to confront our priorities and our values. Do I really value the word of God, the heart of God, or my family culture, or my Korean culture? Hmm? What do you hear when you hear kingdom first family? Is it good? Is it bad? For me, as a 1.5 Korean American, when I hear kingdom first, I'm not going to lie. My first reaction is negative. Because the pastors before my generation, everything was about church. So they neglect their family to serve God. 
this powerful prayer warriors, mothers. They're at church seven days a week praying when their kids are at home. So when I hear kingdom first, ooh, it just doesn't feel good. But here God is saying, I mean, they, my generation, like my father's generation, they did a lot of good things. Like we learned a lot. But in that one area, it wasn't kingdom first culture. It was church first culture. And even church can be an idolatry if you put it above the kingdom. Hmm? When you say, you hear this a lot, right? I got to do what's best for my family. Hey, I got to do what's best for my family. It's natural for you to feel that. And I agree. Benjamin agrees. We have to do what's best for our family as long as, everybody say as long as. You and I understand that what is best for my family is the will of God. Hmm? God knows what is best for your family more than you and I do. Sometimes what you think is best for your family is not best for your family. And sometimes what God says is best for your family does not seem like it's best. Hmm? If you want to have the best family life you can possibly have, you must be intentional. Everybody say intentional about building a kingdom first family, okay? Singles, you may be right now thinking kingdom first family, okay, I'll, okay, I'll think about something else. It doesn't apply to me. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even dating, right? You think this sermon does not apply to you, but this is a word from the Lord, not only for married couples with children, but even for singles. You cannot wait till you're married to build a kingdom first family. Singles, you have to start living kingdom first now in order to have a kingdom first family later. You have to learn to make the kingdom first decisions now. You have to choose kingdom first Christians today. Hmm? If you're dating people who place their own desires and needs and aspirations above the will of God, you are setting yourself up for an idolatrous family experience. Family first is idolatry. Hmm? Whatever we prioritize above the kingdom of God is idolatry. Kingdom first family is a family that is under the rulership of God. Everybody say rulership. What rules over your family? Hmm? Anything that rules over the kingdom of God is what? Idolatry. I remember, I remember this. September 14, 1999. I was still thinking about, I haven't said yes to Benjamin. I'm like, let's let it be. Let it be. My heart does not open to you yet. But I'm still bound by this Korean culture. But I like you. So let's let it be. And we were already family friends with the Robinsons. We already called them Mama and Papa, all of our friends. September 4, 14, we drove down to Fresno for Benjamin's brother's birthday. September 14, 
they're having a chapel service at this, what is it called? Master's Commission. And so I'm sitting as a friend who's kind of open to you, but not really, right? And I'm watching. Benjamin's playing the piano. Josh is on the guitar. Charles is playing the drums. Mommy is leading worship. Daddy is preaching. And I thought, that's kingdom family. And, and like, and I'm saying no to this godly family? Who the, I was slapping myself. Their hearts are open to you. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And that day after that service, I said to Benjamin, yes. Kingdom first. You got to choose kingdom first, man, woman. You cannot compromise in your loneliness. Huh? It doesn't just affect you. It affects the destiny of your future children. Hmm? Kingdom first. What did Joshua say? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Here in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua in his old age, probably right before he's dying, right? He gathers everyone. And I think his, that's his last attempt. He saw God deliver, right, Israelites. Go, I mean, he saw God take them from desert to the promised land. And he's looking around. And the very people that God delivered are worshiping other gods. They're worshiping the God of those land. And probably his last attempt, you said you love God. You said you're going to serve God, but you cannot serve two different gods. He's saying, you got to choose. You got to choose. You can't. Singles. Kingdom. The world. When you're living like this, actually, you're living this way. You can't have both. Here, Joshua is saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hmm? Kingdom first family is making the decision that the kingdom of God reigns over my family. And it's making every decision through the perspective of kingdom first. I remember... When Aletia was first born, she was very colicky. Remember that, mommy and daddy? She cried so much. Some of you, you probably got slapped and got your hair pulled. <laughs> Do you remember that, people? <laughs> she was not a happy baby. Why? Because she was very colicky. I mean, her mother almost died giving birth to her. Right? And, 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 and because of that, as I studied more, how do I make my baby more calm? How do I make her live a better, happy life? She looks miserable. And what I learned was her sleep pattern was very important. Because if she's in pain, so she can't sleep. But if she doesn't have enough sleep, she has no joy. She's very cranky. So her sleep pattern was my number one priority as a mother. Remember back then, we used to have Thursday Thunder every Thursday, right? It was powerful. I loved it. But every time I took Aletheia to Thursday, Thursday Night Thunder, it messed her sleep pattern. It would take me about two to three days to get her back to the normal sleep pattern. 
And then, like, I have, like, one or two days. And then we have to go to Thursday Thunder again. Right? So finally, I was like, Benjamin, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not taking her to Thursday Thunder. And he's like, okay. Right? So for a few weeks, I didn't take her. I'm like, God, help me, help me. Right? And then as I was, you know, at home one Thursday night, I feel like God spoke to me. What do you want to give Aletheia? What do you want to live behind? And as he started to talk to me, I realized, oh, my goodness. You know what? I want Aletheia to love the house of God. I want Aletheia to know the presence of God even from a young age. But if, and I, as I was, personally, I felt like, okay, I need to make a decision. And I was kind of chicken about it, right? So I called Chinwei. I said, Chinwei, Obi is same age. Ola is, it's a lot harder for her, right? Because she has three kids, right? So Chinwei, I really want to raise Aletheia in the house of God. Can we make a pact? That no matter how difficult it gets, that we're going to raise our kids together in the house of God. And Chinwei is like, sure, let's do it. And years to come, you know, if you guys remember, they're like two, three, four, five, six. They were always in the front, holding hands, worshiping Jesus together. Now, there isn't ABC, one, two, three. For you, when you ask God, it may, the answer, kingdom answer may be stay home, right? It's, it's not one way is the only kingdom way. The key is that you got to ask the right question, not what's best for my family, not what is most convenient. The question is, God, what is your will in our situation in my family? And what God would say to you may be different than what God would say to me. You hear me? And even Sundays, at that time, you know, I couldn't have kids for like nine years. And when God, like, you know, gave a prophetic word through Benjamin, he said, a barren womb will bear a child, right? And it's the sign of fruitfulness. And so 2009, we had 11 babies born that same year. The mother's room was chaotic. You think it's chaotic now? Imagine 11 babies in there. Even if you like focus, you couldn't really hear the word of God. And for a lot of mothers, we felt tempted. What's the use of coming? We can't even hear the word. But you know what God showed me then? That even if you can't hear the word, coming to the house of God, seeing face to face other brothers and sisters, it is doing a lot more spiritually to you and to your child than you could ever understand you know as I'm studying like neurology and theology one of the main thing it says is this a maturation you know people maturing is impossible in a community that has less than three generations so if you want to mature well you want your children to mature where well you have to belong to a community that has at least three generations three generations if you go to a church where it's all millennials, you could have fun. You could go far. You could stay up all night. You're going to feel belong and feel good. But 20 years later, inwardly, none of them mature. I was telling our Sunday school teachers, even 
an infant that makes a sound. And especially singles, you're like, oh, why are those mothers not taking those children out? Even if it's difficult for you, you have to understand that child crying, that baby crying is gift to you, single woman, single men. Their presence is a gift to you. One of the Soda member who has a child, like, oh, Pastor Sonny, but I feel bad for other people, you know, that sits around us. I was like, no, you don't understand what a gift Kaylee is to this community. Only child over there, right? We have a lot here, so we should be thankful. Even older generation. Where's my David? Where is he? David. I love David. My most faithful missions partner. He's a gift to our missions department. Now, I said this earlier. Does it get frustrating sometimes? Not, not me, not me, David, but like younger people, like 20s and 30s. Do, do they get like frustrated sometimes because they want to run and they can't? Yeah. Right? I was telling David, especially when he's eating, they want to eat and run. But David, he doesn't care if you're frustrated. He will take his time. And the young people would have to sit around and just wait. And say, come on, David, come on, David. Even me, come on, David, we got to go. <laughs> but because of David, we're maturing. Because of his presence, we're learning patience. And because of his wisdom, we're growing. You see, babies, youth, older generation, being a part of a community that has more than three to four generations is a gift, especially in America, right? Benjamin's been so passionate about social justice right now, right? Asking a God, what is our place as living hope? What do you want? How do you want us to fight social justice? And he's like really reading a lot of books and praying and praying and praying. And one of the things that, that, that's really like touching him and speaking to him is about education. Especially like integration. How certain areas in America is so segregated. And as he's like passionate, like sharing that, I was like, man, in America, Sunday morning is the most segregated time. Right? But we don't get to mature. You know? Like, you know, like your, my difference and your difference in culture and generation is gift to each other. I was telling during prayer, it's not just when, you know, they make like their cultural food and I'm enjoying it, right? That's, that, that's not the only time where their difference is gift to me. When your difference is coming under my skin, even then is a gift. It's a gift. When we see through kingdom first perspective, it's a gift. You know, last Sunday as I was preaching this at Soda, I was looking at the Venables, right? Rumi's sitting, Ola and Obi and, and Chinwe and Dairel. And I was like, wow, truly, truly, they have kingdom first family. What 16-year-old writes worship songs by herself in her bedroom? Who does that? Not many, 
Not many in this. You know the worship songs that Rumi's been writing? One day we're going to sing it here. It's beautiful. A month ago, another Sora young people came to me with tears in her eyes. That, you know, I was going through a hard time. I was at the altar wailing, and I felt two small hands on my back. It was Ola and Obi. Sincere, with sincerity, they were praying for her. Kingdom first. And I looked at Chinwen Daryl. Was that easy? How'd you do that? How, how do you have a kingdom first family? Was it easy? And they're like, uh. I said, what time did you have to wake them up this morning? Six in the morning. Singles? You can't even wake up at 9 a.m. to come to church on time. Don't be scared. There's no spirit of offense. No one's offended. I believe in you guys. Chinwen and Dairol had to make some inconvenient decisions. You hear me? They have to wake them up. And it's not easy doing their hair. Right? But Chinwen has to wake up at 6 to do their hair, dress them, and bring them to church. And at church, as they're practicing worship, these kids are just there. It's some decisions that they had to make. But as a family, they love the Lord. When you look at Ola, if you go right now, she's probably holding a box of tissue paper, handing it to people who's crying at the altar. Kingdom first family does not just happen. You have to be intentional. And you have to allow the king to determine the culture of your family. I heard T.D. Jake say, Christianity is not democracy, it's theocracy. And I heard Miles Monroe say in one of his sermons that kingdom of God is not just religion. If you see Christianity as a religion, he's like, pastors could have an affair and still be a pastor. When the people determine the culture, the leaders could fall into sin. Oops. But in the kingdom of God, <laughs> the fear of God, the reign of God, right, we would not dare. Kingdom first. We have to allow the word of God, the truth of God, the King Jesus to determine what we believe and what we value. Even the heart very sensitive stuff like homosexuality, social justice, abortion. We have to allow the king to determine. Not the majority, not what it feels good or better. Hmm? Spirit of main, spirit of this age, spirit of offense. What? Pastor, you said that word. I am offended. What? Why would you never say that word? I am offended. We get offended. Even as Christians, we get offended by everything. Hmm? But God is saying, no. Kingdom culture goes against that offense that we forgive. We forgive quickly and we even bless those that are persecuting us. Hmm? Kingdom of God. Kingdom first family is listening to the voice of God for every decision. 
The key, everybody say the key, is asking the right question. Not what is most convenient. I feel like that convenience rules over Christians in this day and age. Huh? What is your will? Now, Benjamin and I, coming from different culture, different family background, we differ in a lot of things. Pursuing kingdom first does not mean you have to agree upon everything. You hear me? We've never voted for the same candidate in the history of our marriage. Theologically, there's certain things that we don't agree. Because I come from a very Bible-centered, well, he's very Bible-centered also, conservative Presbyterian. He comes from Pentecostal. We don't agree on everything, right? But we have a great marriage. Why? How, pastor? How? Why? Because we don't fight for our own hearts. But what we pursue, pursue together is the will of God. What do you want, God? What are you saying, God? What would, what would honor you? When we ask the right question and pursue the right thing, you could have different views, but you will still have a great family. You know, I was reading through the Bible. I just finished Old Testament. And as I read Malachi, I was like, oh, my gosh. You guys, read Malachi. There's only four chapters. Every, four, every chapter in Malachi is about kingdom first. Uh, let's read this. Mal Malachi 1.6, it says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, this is God saying, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Look at uh, Malachi 1, 12 through 13. But you profane, profane it by saying, the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals, you offer them as sacrifices. Should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? And then skip to Malachi chapter 3. Verses 13 through 15. This will all make sense, I promise. You have spoken arrogantly against me. Say against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What's the use? What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed, certainly evildoers prosper. And when, even when they put God to the test, they get away. Lastly, go back to Malachi chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Come on, everybody, say it. Ready? That's what he desires. Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Everybody said, be on your guard. And do not be unfaithful to the wife of her youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence. Everybody say violence. To the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. God is saying this. God is saying, come on. I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm the master, where's my respect? You bring me what is convenient. 
Oh, if I have enough strength, I'll go to church. Oh, I don't feel like it. You know what that is? That is not kingdom first. You are bringing what is left over. The Israelites were like, yeah, serve the Lord. And they bring the diseased animals as their offering. Instead of giving God the first and the best, they gave God what they did not want. They, they serve God out of their convenience, out of their, hmm? And God is saying, where's my honor? Why do you speak against me? And they're like, when did we speak against you? You're saying the evildoers are blessed. You're saying it's futile. Oh, what a burden. Oh, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I need to step down a little bit. Oh, hmm? God is saying, where's my honor? Do you really believe me, me? Do you really trust me? Do you, do you really know me? And like in chapter 2, God says, I don't care. I don't care what you feel. You belong to me. Your body belongs to me. Your soul, you belong to me. And the Bible says that one God that made you, that you belong to, seeks one thing. One thing. He wants one thing from you. One thing. Single, married, old, young, one thing. He wants godly offspring. He wants godly offspring from you. How do we do that, God? How do we do that? I don't know how. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. It doesn't happen automatically. Kingdom first family doesn't just happen. You got to make decisions. Inconvenient decisions where you put God first, where you put his kingdom first. Be on your guard and be faithful to the wife of your youth. I was, we had a, a picnic yesterday with Soda girls, sons and daughters, all the girls. We got together and we just hung out at the Dolores Park. And somehow we ended up telling Benjamin my love story, right? And somehow we're talking, somehow this thing came about. And I said, you know, like a lot of married couples, like when they come and say, I give up, I'm tired, he'll never change. You know what I tell them? Just hold on. Just wait a little while. And I said this in front of Benjamin because he was there. I said, men, sorry doc, men are naturally self-centered. They're babies. But if you wait, they mature. Wait about 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. They learn to put their wife and their family, they learn. They really do. It's been about, what, 19 and a half years since I married Benjamin. It's getting good, y'all. There were many nights where I wanted to give up. But I was like, I'm stuck because I'm a Christian and a pastor. I can't divorce him. I'm stuck. Oh, my, I'm miserable. There are many nights when I called mommy and daddy. Come, come, come talk to your messed up son. He, they grow up. Hmm? I mean, it was a joke, but for real though. Hold on. Young wives, just hold on. I promise you, just, just put kingdom first and hold on. It gets better and better and better. 
you just have to be, be on your, you know what touched my heart the most in that scripture? It says, when you divorce, you do violence to the very people you're supposed to protect. You're supposed to protect your wife. You're supposed to protect your children. I think for me, because my parents were divorced, I understand how painful divorce is. But when you put kingdom first, you learn. You learn not to seek after your own heart, but God's heart. Hmm? Choosy this day whom you will serve. And when Joshua says that, all the Israelites at once say, we're going to serve God. Yeah, we will serve God. And instead of Joshua going, yay, you know what Joshua says, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't say you're going to serve God and have other gods in your heart. If you're going to really serve God, you got to get rid of those other gods. You know why I hear the Lord saying here today? Let's do some inner heart cleaning. There are some other priorities that have been taking over. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to point in that very room inside of your heart. And let's surrender that. Let's get, let's put God first over those areas. Now, what does that look like in our daily decisions? Hmm? Does God, does God require perfection? Oh, you're going to serve God? Then you better never ever sin. Or else I'm going to snap you and burn you to death. Does God require perfection? No. You know what God requires? You know, I just read through the Old Testament over and over again. You know what God gets heard about? What, what's concerning to him is Israelites did not acknowledge me. They haven't acknowledged me. And if you read Hosea, it goes over and over. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge God. And even the prophet himself says, let's press on to acknowledge God. Sometimes in your pain, it's hard to acknowledge God. It's hard to say God is good. It's hard. But in those moments, you got to press through in decisions where your heart is going after convenience. In those moments, you got to press on to acknowledge God. God, show me how to make the kingdom decisions right now in my situation. Hmm? Proverbs 3, 6 is all in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Psalm 91, 14, I will protect him, he, for he acknowledges my name. Jeremiah 9, 3, they do not acknowledge me, declares the Lord. Hmm? Hosea 13, 4, you shall acknowledge no God but me. No Savior except me. You know what God is saying? I don't require perfection. What I desire is for you to acknowledge me. I don't know what to do. God, I, I don't feel like I have what it takes. But in that very area, he's saying just acknowledge me. I don't know how to do right. Acknowledge me. You know, sometimes it's hard to be kingdom first when we feel like God doesn't care about what I care about right now. What is concerning me right now, it feels like it doesn't concern him. 
in those moments, it's so hard to acknowledge God and trust in God. But you know what the Bible says? Hmm? He says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? 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 Because why? Because he cares. Not some, not just serving God at church decision. It says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares. Even those unspiritual areas you feel like it doesn't matter, God cares. What does the word of God says? say? He said, he will perfect all that concerns you. Everybody say all. Not just your decision about praying or going on mission trip. No, all. He will perfect all that concerns you. If I could have our worship team to come up, I want to end with this story. I was in Indonesia in the middle of my sabbatical on a mission trip. And during our team worship, we really felt led. This 23-year-old man from New Jersey to share his testimony. So, like, it wasn't planned. We just said, Ryan, can you just give your testimony to us? And this is what he said. He said, I was one of those boys where you just, I just waited for daddy to come home from work. And when daddy would come, I would get up and I would run, daddy, and jump to daddy's arms. I was, I was that kind of boy. And we're like, oh. One day, my daddy stopped coming home. And I prayed, God, bring daddy home. And he grew up without daddy ever coming home during elementary, junior high, high school. But he believed. God. God, you said, if I believe in you, you will save my whole family. He believed for daddy to come home one day. He had faith until one day he received the news that his father died in the streets of New York. And this is what he said. I always believe that God is always good. But in that moment, I told God, God, you're Almost always good. You're good. But here, here, I don't know. I can't see how good you are. By allowing my dad to die and he never came home. You're almost, almost God, almost here. But I can't say you are always good because of this. And he had tears coming down. But in the years to come, God started to show me. That God loved my father more than I could ever love my father. That my, my God was after my father more than I was ever. And my God loved my father. And really recognizing that, I could be here in Indonesia. And I could confidently testify before all of you. That God is always when he shared that, the whole team, we just wailed. We just cried. How can we ever question God's goodness when I hear this young man give testimony like that? 
God, if you're good, why would you make me this way? If you're good, why would you allow this to happen to me? God, if you're good and you care, why would you let bad things happen to good people? God, why? Why? And when we start asking the wrong questions, the enemy deceives us further and further and further away from intimately knowing the goodness of God. So many of us, including me, we do not come from a family, I mean God, kingdom first family. Do you know what I had to do to make my mom let me go to Bible college? So many of us, we don't have godly parents. We did not have godly parents. Just like Benjamin did. <laughs> and when we did not come from that, it's so hard to trust God. When I'm experiencing pain, it's hard for me to say, God, you are good here. But in that moment, in the midst of pain, in the midst of my darkness, I have to press on. I have to press on. Maybe I may not be able to fast and pray, come to Wednesday night prayer and Sunday shift, lead worship every Sunday. Pre maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not able to do that. But you know what? At least I could press on to acknowledge God's goodness in the midst of my pain. And that's what God that's the only thing God requires of us in your pain, in your decisions, in your family. Acknowledge me. If you could join me in prayer with every eye closed. Father, we come. As we are broken, some of us, we're going through some painful seasons right now where we don't understand why. But in this valley of valley, Holy Spirit, will you show us how near you are and help us to acknowledge you. Will you teach us how to make godly, kingdom-first decisions in our spiritual life, in our career, in our family, Lord. Mm. With every eye closed, maybe there's somebody here. That you saw Christianity as a religion. And you know what? Many times you chose that religion. You were taught to. And you tried in your own strength to live right, to be godly. But God is saying, son, daughter. <laughs> 
in the kingdom of God, Christianity is not a religion. It's relationship. It's theocracy. It's where God reigns. But our God is not just a creator that just demands holiness. Our God, the king, the king that reigns over the kingdom of God, he's also your father. And when he's inviting you to his kingdom, he's not asking for you to come do some religious activities. He's asking you to be his son, to be his daughter. He's saying, will you allow my kingdom to come upon your life. And God is asking now, not tomorrow, not later. Will you come? Will you come receive my love? Will you come join my family where I am your father, where I teach you how to make the right decisions where I lead you, where I am near you in the midst of your pain. And you want to say yes to God. But God, I don't know how to live right. It doesn't matter. Just acknowledge him and say, God, I want it. I want, I want to say yes to you. Just, just, you know, sometimes it didn't make sense when I said yes to Benjamin, September 14, 1999. I didn't know how it was going to work out. But I said yes. And look at me now. It's similar. God is saying, I just need you to say yes and I will help you. I will teach you how to acknowledge me in every season of your life. If that's you and you want to say yes to God for the first time. Or you've walked away and you want to come back to Jesus. We just raise your hand wherever you are and let us pray for you. You're, I see that hand and I see that hand. Yeah, come on. Come on, yes, I see that hand. You're saying yes to not only a king, but a father that cares about everything about your life. He cares. He, he cares. He loves you. I want to give just, just 30 more seconds to anybody else that says, I want to say yes. I want to belong to a kingdom first family. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. Yes. For those that raise their hands, will you join? Can everyone join in this prayer and just repeat after me? God, I say yes. I come as I am. I lack godliness. I lack wisdom. I don't know what to do. But I come as I am, and I acknowledge you as God. I acknowledge you as King. I come to you. I receive your love, and I say yes to you. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to choose right how to make right decisions, how to ask the right questions. So help me, God. In Jesus' name, amen.